Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Finn, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Julie Rame, the CMO at Party City. She explains how customer journey mapping helps determine the customer experience from start to finish. AJ can't spell Vincent's name, and Vincent suggests a game of beer pong. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I am your host, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products here at Starista. Ladies and gentlemen, it's so good to be back here. I felt like I haven't recorded an episode in a while. But we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take a pause for a moment. Starista this is the only time I'll talk about the company. What do we do? We are a marketing technology company. We own our own business-to-business data sets, our own business-to-consumer. We help customers utilize that data to get new customers, to enrich their current database. I think a lot of databases are fragmented. We own our own DSP. We can execute media for you, OTT, connected TV. Email me at vincent at starista.com. It's a short email address. I'm the only one at the company who doesn't even use my last name because it's long, as you know. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so glad to be back, and I'm so glad that this gentleman is back with us, my CEO, my commander-in-chief at Starista, my co-host, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's up, AJ? Hey, Vincent. Yeah, I remember uh, I tried to spell your name, and I decided I would just tell our IT guy to... Make your email, Vincent. So I, I, if I can't if I can't spell it, then I can't expect others to do it. You know. I know. Yeah, something uh, something important will get uh, missed. You know who does know how to spell my last name though? My four year old. It took me till I was like in first grade to learn how to spell my last name. This little kid, he spells it. He loves it. But I'm like, all right, awesome. Well, the, the, I guess the only thing he got lucky with was that uh, he doesn't have a hyphenated name with your wife's name added. Afterward. I know, that would be long. Yeah, good luck <laughs> filling out a Scantron for those of you who remember what a Scantron is on the tests. But anyway, people would probably oh don't God. even well, use those anymore. It's probably all on com- a computer now, but it is good. How are you feeling, AJ? How is that solid gold wrist? So, so, so good yours. news is, uh, good wrist. news is my wrist is actually feeling much better. I uh, played uh, two matches this month. Uh, All right, and they've gone well. The, the bad news is uh, I also got a, a MRI of my knee, also a tennis-related injury. So it looks like uh, I will unfortunately need to uh, get my MCL fixed at some point. What so, is happening? At what I, point do you say, "Look, I'm not." Andre Agassi, I'm not Sampras. Like, what point? <laughs> yeah, I, I have uh, I have started looking into pickleball leagues. So. <laughs> That's uh, right. Or yeah, or beer. There's always beer pong. That's similar, right? You can do that. Beer pong? Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, I'm better with uh, something that I have a racket in my hands with. Yeah, but, you know, the, the yeah. traditional beer pong you know, has a racket. So let's see. But yeah, that's something we can go down that path. I feel good. I have, I'm looking forward. I'm going to see some of you guys in a couple of weeks there. That should be fun. New York City slowly opening up again here. December was pretty bad. That couple weeks where 
some Broadway shows shut down and the Rockettes, how do you shut down the Rockettes and kill all those little kids' spirits? How do you do it? But they did it, but it's opening back up and people are ready to party again. Speaking of party, we're having a party today, AJ. We're having a party today. Let's call this our Super Bowl issue. Uh, issue. I was going to say issue like we're a publication. Our Super Bowl <laughs> episode. Maybe the marketing stir of the publication comes out next. But this is our Super Bowl episode because it's right before the Super Bowl. It's going to air after the Super Bowl. So let's see. We'll check in with this guest again. Hopefully it's good news because you'll be able to see from her background in a moment. But when I say party, what comes to my head is Party City. Everyone knows Party City. This is one of those podcasts where we don't have to explain what the company does. Sometimes we do, and we want you to know and learn about new companies. But if you don't know Party City, you've never been to a party before, and we got to get you out more. But ladies and gentlemen, please, a warm marketing stir welcome to the chief marketing officer and chief experience officer at party city julie rain what's going on julie hey thanks for having me so i say party you say part city i say party you say <laughs> city party city i love party. it <laughs> all right there you go. now you go boom <laughs> i love it i love it and I, we love having you on the podcast, Julie. You and I got to meet and to chat a month or so ago. And take a look at Julie's background. For those of you who are not listening to us on multiple platforms, including directly right from our website, thank you to all of our listeners. We love you. Keep those positive comments coming in. Keep coming up to me at conferences and telling me how much you love the podcast or don't like it. I can handle that as well. But Julie has a background up. It is of the Cincinnati Bengals. She is a huge Cincinnati Bengals fan. So we hope that this will air and there'll be good news for those Cincinnati Bengal fans. I hope yeah, how long have you been a fan? Tell me about uh, the, let's, what's the significance? Did you grow well, up I, in Cincinnati? I, I went to high school in Cincinnati. So I, we moved a lot growing up, um, but I spent all four of my high school years in Cincinnati. And so uh, when I was there in Cincinnati last, actually um, my freshman year, so I graduated uh, high school, I'll, I'll go, you know, it's all public anyway. I graduated high school in 88 and they went to the Super Bowl in 89. So we'd been, so my freshman year in college, they, uh, they went and it was, you know, it was, like it was crazy Bengals fever in Cincinnati. It's when the, so who to pull beer is a big beer that's manufactured in Cincinnati and the who day they rebranded it who day beer. <laughs> so oh, that was that where that came from. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know exactly where the who day came from. And I know that in new Orleans, the saints, which is another favorite team of mine because of drew Brees, Cause I went to Purdue and drew Brees. So I've got, so these yep, are my yep. affiliations, but they have who dat. And so there's, they're always between the two. They always claim that one stole from the other. I don't know that there's anybody for sure who knows where it came from, but the who day, it was like who to pull, who day beer. And then it was the who day, yeah. who day, who day, who day think they're going to beat them Bengals when they play in the jungle. I say nobody. So anyway, it was a big deal and icky woods and the icky shuffle. So the shuffle, yeah. it's like, um, for me, it felt as close to like the 1985 bears as you were going to get where, you know, it was, everybody was, there was the dance and the, it was all yeah. theatrics. And 
this was sort of the the next closest thing. And it was really fun to be a part of. It was a very sad last minute loss, you know, the 49ers and Jerry Rice catching that ball in the very last minute. It was a, it was a heartbreaker. And so, you know, here we are 34, 33, long, 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 long years later. (laughs) It has been, it has been some long years for the, for the Cincinnati Bengals. It has, but the New York giants are experiencing that now. So yeah. All right. But whatever, like, it, yeah, I know people's we, we have four championships. I shouldn't complain. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Eli took it <laughs> twice. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. There's many yeah. people listening to this who won't even know, like weren't alive when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. So <laughs> yeah. they were alive when the giants were, which yes. is, uh, you know, I'm, but I'm kidding, <laughs> but you know, you have such an amazing future ahead of you as the, as far as the Cincinnati Bengals. So whatever happens when this episode airs, Regardless, those Bengals have a great future. But Julie, I want to get right into it because we're talking about Super Bowl, but there's so many questions I have about Party City and especially these last few years. But before we get into that, I love your title of Chief Experience, Chief Experience Officer because you heard it at other companies, but I think it means a lot more at a company like Party City. So can you talk about your role at Party City as Chief Marketing Officer and Chief Experience Officer, some of your day-to-day responsibilities, what you're doing there. And then my second question is, how did you get into marketing? Yes. Okay. So um, look, being in a, the Chief Marketing and Experience Officer at Party City is, um, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a dream job because, you know, I always say to people, I've, I've worked, I've worked, um, I've worked in the marketing digital industry for you know, a few decades now. And um, it's the first company I've gone to where I feel like the mission, um, the purpose of the company actually, you know, is something that is, is really profound and, um, and important for people's lives. And it isn't, you know, I've worked for an auto cars are important to people, you know, there's an emotional attachment, but um, you know, I've worked in all kinds of companies, you know, I've worked in technology companies and, but there's, there's a difference here because our mission is, if for those of who are visually watching this is to, as my corner here says, make joy easy. That is, that is our mission as a company. And we take that really seriously. And people might say, okay, it's a party, good store, making joy easy, whatever you're make that they're talking about a marketing spin or a marketing stir. Like that's, you know, but the truth is, if you think about why people come to us, they're celebrating something that's really important to them. Very likely, whether it's a birthday and anniversary um, a baby shower, you know, whatever it might be. It could even be just having people over. It's still something that they're, they're looking to mark or to signify in some sort of special way to, to lift it up beyond sort of an everyday activity. And there's only one chance to do that. Right. And if we mess that up, if we don't deliver, you know, if the birthday party is kind of ruined, if we deliver the balloons a day late, right. If, if you get your sweater delivered a day late, yeah, unless you had the party that day, you know, it's probably not the end of the world. If your four-year-old doesn't have balloons on the day of her birthday, that's a problem. And so, and that's a memory that is, is one that stays in a really bad way. And so we do take this notion of making joy easy very seriously, because it is something that is, that we are there. We take a responsibility for, for these people who come to us. So being the experience officer, um, as, as you've said, takes on a whole new, for me, level of significance in terms of the responsibility we have, because we as a company are here to help bring joy, but making the joy easier to obtain. That's the role of the experience officer and to making sure that 
it's it's a positive experience. And so, and and all that is to say, it is not on. Look, everybody in the company's job is to be part of the experience. Every single person. So, it is my job to help to set the strategy, to help to provide insights, to help to provide guidance. But at the end of the day, it is a team wide a team wide effort to actually help to deliver this this joy in the easiest way possible. Because let's face it. When you think about what most people have to do when you get ready to, to throw a party, it's a it's a long list of things and it can be stressful. It's like, am I forgetting something? Is what if I didn't invite somebody? What if I forgot like the cupcakes or there's the favor bag or what? There's so many things that could that could go wrong and it can be very stressful. Our job is to try to figure out, get ahead of it and make create tools to make it really easy for people to not have to stress so that it isn't only the celebration that is joyous, it's the whole process is joyous. And that that's not an easy thing to do because we historically it's not been. Um, and so that's, that's the goal. And that's what I'm here to do. I, I love it. And talk to us about after, uh, after Purdue go Boilermakers, Whoop. what brought, got you into marketing? People mm-hmm. love hearing this story because sometimes more on the rare side, it's I studied marketing and here I am. But other times, most of the time, it's like I was a philosophy or I did, I was an engineer and here I am. So I would love to hear your story. Yeah. Yeah. I studied civil engineering, environmental engineering, and here I am. <laughs> nice. That's it. I love it. So, um, yeah, that's, that was me. I, I have the ver- the path less taken for sure. Um, I Look, I went to high school in Cincinnati, as we've established. I went to high school in Cincinnati. I went to an all girls, private Catholic high school. So it was very college preppy, you know, all those kinds of things. And we, um, by the time you get to your senior, I was good. I was really good student. Um, by the time I got to high school, your senior year in high school, you've got to start to apply, obviously, actually your junior year applying. Um, but you're, you're actually like, you know, who knows? I always, you know, now I have two kids, one's out of college, one's in college, but I, I was like, it's crazy to think that you should know what you're going to do with the rest of your life. That's my guidance to my kids just go and like take anything that sounds or looks interesting. Do not worry. Like it will work out. You know, I use my example all the time. So for me, I went into the guidance counselor and the guidance counselor said, well, you're really good in math and science, Julie, you should be an engineer. I was like, okay, what do they do? Well, they can do all kinds of things. I was like, well, do they make a lot of money? Cause really I was a child <laughs> of the 80s. So of the child of the eighties, it was all, you know, Reaganism and materialism. Yeah, the Wall you know. Street movie. Wall and, uh, Street yep. movie. Yeah, there it was. That was, that was the world we lived, big hair, you know, um, that was excess was in. Um, and so, you know, I was like, well, I got to make money. So I went to, I applied to the top five engineering programs in the country and I got into Purdue. I got there and then they said, okay, uh, freshman year, everybody kind of takes the same weed out courses. One of those where you sit in an auditorium, a thousand people and look right and look left. And at the end of the year, only one of you is going to be here. And okay. Okay. You know, it was one of those, it, you know, it was a traditional kind of engineering program. And, um, but by the end of your freshman year, you have to choose a discipline. You have to choose a major of engineering. And I still, I still had no idea. You know, it was like, I don't think I want to be an electrical engineer. I don't know if I want to be mechanical or industrial or chemical or like, you know, aeronautical. There were all these to choose from. I was like, I, I don't know. And so I found that civil engineering had eight disciplines within it. And so I could choose civil engineering and still have a broad choice and not have to really have it all figured out right away. So I chose it and I ended up uh, with a major in structural and environmental engineering, both actually a major in environmental engineering and a minor in structural engineering. 
my dad always said, honey, if you build a bridge, let me know. I'm going to take the boat. It's really a lot of encouragement, but actually I did really well in school there as well. And I, I was a co-op every other semester. I was part of the co-op program working for Bristol Myers Squibb and um, at multiple different engineering departments there. And I, you know, I was good at it, but I was really not, I was kind of bored with it and not because it was easy by any measure, but I just, I wasn't into it. Like, you know, when you love something and it gets you going and sometimes it's like, it feels like a job. And um, it was, it was that that led me to know that I needed to think about something else, but it was also the experience there where I was able to be part of broader meetings, business meetings. And I, you know, I, I thought, you know, I really liked being part of those meetings. I liked hearing about the strategy behind why we were changing the packaging on the baby formula bottles. And I like to hear about how they were, what was the customer saying? And so I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go to business school instead of trying to be an engineer. So I applied to three of the top five business schools and I got into the university of Chicago right out of undergrad. And, you know, my two years of, well, it was like equivalent of like two years of um, work experience when I was co-oping. So that kind of was my parlay to get me in right out of undergrad. And I went to Chicago, which for those people who know about the Booth School of Management, A, it's a really hard school. B, they're super quantchocks, right? Big finance guys, you know, I, they're all those investment bankers, they all own their own private islands. And I was super excited about that. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go and be a finance major and I'm going to own my own private island by the time I'm 32. So it took me my first quarter where I was taking my first finance class, you know, because I'm good at math, of course, so that made perfect sense where, um, you know, we were talking about the stock market and stock market theory. And I thought, this is crazy theory. I'm used to formulas. Your formula is off the bridge falls. Like, you know, that that's like, how, what are you talking about? You're like, everybody's money is based on this theory. This is insane. So I immediately wanted out of that um, and started to take strategy classes and negotiations classes and a few marketing classes. And I ended up graduating with three, you know, kind of a three emphasis, three majors, if you will. And it was in, you know, strategy, negotiations and marketing and um, spent my whole second year, as most people do, um, interviewing for a full time job and uh, had a few offers, was really um, lucky to have a few offers. And I ended up choosing Ford Motor Company because it kind of leaned into the things that I knew I was good at, which were sort of engineering based analytical. I, I wasn't afraid of those kinds of conversations and having to talk to other engineers but it was also a big global company with lots to offer from all ver all kinds of quote unquote marketing from, you know, product planning to, to setting up markets, to selling cars, to brand management, the whole thing. And so I really, I was really excited about it because I thought I could spend a career. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how it began. That was my first, that was my first endeavor. I, when I was in grad school, I actually worked for American Airlines. Um, both in a class for six months, but then also as an intern down in Dallas for a summer as well. And that, that kind of sealed the deal for me. I was like, this is, this is it. It's a nice combination of sort of customer insight, marketing, um, solving problems to try to make, you know, a better product or a better customer experience. And that, that kind of set the tone from there on out. I, I, I can relate, Julie. I think if I had stayed in college one more year, I would have had four majors and, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, I guess I, ne I never quite figured out what I was going to do. So I became a CEO. So. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not too bad. That's not, what did you, what was your major? So I had, uh, I ended up majoring in uh, finance, uh, English, and I had a minor in math. So. 
So those are really good for a CEO, right? It's, it's important to understand business and math if you're going to run a company. So Right, right. Yeah, so I guess it's all come together. Yeah, yeah it has come together. <laughs> but, but at the time, uh, my parents were very concerned that I'll be unemployed. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my parents were never afraid because clearly I was very motivated to make money. So I was, uh, was going to find a way, some way. That, obviously, it was such a big deal then. Now right, you right. Know, we talk about what is success. And I, you know, I give presentations on it all the time. Success used to be so clearly defined by title and uh, monetary gain. Right. And I, I'm really grateful that, that the world has sort of evolved and matured because it's, it's a bad message to give. And I think it's, um, it can take, it really takes people down, a, a, you know, I think it can be a very unhappy, um, mis, misguided path and yep. having two, you know, young men now who are my children, it's something that I, you know, I'm very I'm very um, cognizant of is, you know, this money's money, you know, but money doesn't, doesn't buy happiness. It, it does make things easier sometimes, but you got to love what you do every day. And if it's not the highest paying job, that's okay. Believe me, you're going to live a healthier, wealthier life in terms of who you are. So. Right. Completely agree. Um, so Julie, to turn the focus uh, on party city and the marketing that you're doing right now, what are some of the channels that are effective today? What's working for you? When I, so, so a little bit of a history on, on Party City, just to set the tone for, for some of your listeners who may not know. So Party City actually um, started off, well, look, it, Party City started as, as people think about it as a retail outlet, but a couple of decades before that, a company called Amscan, who manufactures party goods, um, decided that you know what they needed to do was buy their biggest customer. And so Amscan, about 30 years ago, bought Party City. And so it was this vertically integrated entity. And um, as a result, that is how we have grown so quickly. Also, as a result, it's why the format that you probably have most gotten to know Party City for over the years, which I call it the stack it high and watch it fly methodology, the, the big racks, the sort of the Costco kind of theme, which is, you know, sure. kind of a warehouse, big, but of party goods. It, we was created that way because we obviously had a big manufacturing arm. So we manufactured everything so we could put a lot of stuff. And I think the thinking for a lot of retailers, by the way, is more is more. Right. You wanted it to be a one stop shop. So the more you had, the more likely it was that people could come and get everything they needed in one stop. I think, as we all know, the experience of retail of being in a store has shifted dramatically as well. And sometimes more is not more. It's just overwhelming. You know, I I liken it to uh, the Cheesecake Factory. You know, it's it's a rare company that can have that many pages of <laughs> of choices and still be successful. Okay, It can be overwhelming at times. And I think for us um, in particular and what we do and kind of our customer, what we're trying to get done, it, it, it's a bit overwhelming. And so knowing that we manufacture 80% of what we sell and 40 to 50% of what we, of what you might buy in other party aisles and other uh, retail stores is probably, you know, made or sourced by us in some way. It gave us an opportunity um, to really think differently about who we wanted to be go forward. So uh, the board brought in a new CEO in August of 19. So Brad Weston, who is our CEO, and he had a new vision and one that was very much aligned with what I just said, which is to really vertically integrate the company in practice and not just on paper. 
So, you know, it's one thing to say we manufacture everything and we're just going to ship everything to the store. And then the retail store is responsible for just, you know, stack, you know, stocking it and selling it. It's something else to say, how do we think about this holistically? How do we really think about this practical integration in a way that's going to unlock all the potential that exists? So that was his his number one vision. His number two vision is a bit more of where I come in. Um, and that is that he saw us as having the opportunity to not just be the seller of party products, but the provider of the entire party experience. And so what that means is when you think about coming in the old format, you know, two years ago, by the way, the entire executive team is largely brand new um, because we all came in with a whole, again, it's a different vision. So different skill set needed. The opportunity for us is to think end to end. So when you start to think that conversation we were having about the importance of the birthday party and the stressful process that it can be, where do you start? Sometimes, look, if it's a birthday on the calendar, you're probably starting, you know, at, at some point because you know the dates on a calendar. In other cases, it could be that you wanted to have, you get inspired to have a backyard barbecue for the summer because you've been on Pinterest and you saw some great pin, you know, some picture that you pinned. Okay, great. That's your inspiration set. Then you go all the way through to like, huh, what, what do I want it to look like? What would I want it to be? When would I want it to be? What do I all need there? And that includes not just the things that you traditionally think about with Party City selling. So balloons and tableware and favors and backdrops and candy and that kind of thing. But it's also things like, what about the invitation? What about, what about uh, food? Um, what about maybe a bartender? What about music? What if there's kids and we need like a bouncy castle? Maybe I don't want to clean up at the end. Maybe I need somebody to help clean up. Cause I like, that's the sign of a good party to me is when I don't actually have to clean up after my own party. You know, what about the posting afterwards? How am I going to share my experience with everybody to show what a, what a great time we all had and the camaraderie we shared. That is the entire, when we think about the experience, that's the experience. And obviously within there, you can hear that we, we traditionally as party city have only delivered part of that. What our goal is, is to try to really deliver it in total or connect dots to deliver it in total. So there's an opportunity for a marketplace in there. We have built new tools in there. So how do you make a balloon builder? How do you think about building a celebration in a, in a way that you can visualize it so that I could show you an outdoor scene, an indoor scene, and I could show you all the goods and you could go in and say, mm, click that one. I don't want that thing. And I want that thing in there. And you can visualize the whole thing and then click to put it in your cart. And then at the same time, potentially link into a marketplace to say, I also need a caterer. I need a bouncy castle. I need, and what about then potentially a partnership with a company like Pinterest, by the way, I, we have that. Um, and where we can, you can pin your photo and it connects back over to your experience at Party City where now your image and all of your content is saved. So that if you want to go back in and replicate that exact party, maybe with a few differences for some other occasion, it's there and saved for you. What if you want to be able to share that with other people who really liked what you posted or pinned and they want to be able to replicate what you did? Now, could we make that easier for them? So you can see from an end-to-end -end experience, especially from a digital transformations experience, what the opportunity is. So we've embarked upon that path. And so we are walking down that path um, today. We're not fully delivered upon it yet. It's been two years. And of course, I started in December of 19. So like, you know, 30, 60 days before the pandemic hit. But we continue down the path regardless, and we've made great progress. 
our stores are also changed over. We've got our next generation stores. So there's, there's about a hundred of our stores now out of our 750, 800 stores that we have out there that are what we call our next gen store where you come down and the sight lines are at five feet. There's a round balloon counter immediately when you walk in versus the traditional wall, black wall that has all the pinned flat balloons on it. Now it's a very dynamic um, entrance. And on the left inside, you've got all the birthday goods all together. So you don't have to crisscross the store to put your entire birthday solution together. It's, it's these kinds of things that we liken to easy. And then you layer on services. So the things that I just talked about from a digital transformation component are one big component of the service, but we also are offering party planning for people. So free part, most people are like party planning. I can't afford party planning. Are you kidding? Well, no, we're offering it for free. So we've got consultations on chat in person. You can schedule with a party planner and they can help hear what your vision is and help you put it together. And then, yeah, you can hire our party planners if you want them actually to come to your your residence or your location and actually set it up in a traditional party planning format. But most people don't need that. They just need some help because they don't have a, what I like to call the, you know, the Martha Stewart brain. <laughs> they don't, they can't see it. They need somebody to help them visualize it. So in addition to our visualization tools, we actually have human beings there to help you out. So that's, that is really sort of the journey that we are on as a company and, and what we're trying to accomplish um, to actually, again, make joy easy for people, but to take on this, you know, evolution of where we've been from back when we were just, you know, a few decades ago merging to now today, what, what do we think the future holds? Julie, so in terms of kind of the outbound marketing, obviously you guys have such a great brand name. Uh, that it probably lends itself to people coming in when a store opens. But uh, outside of that, uh, I, I know our producers noted that you're moving away from traditional media more into the digital world. So we'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. Yes. No, AJ, right. I didn't answer that when you asked that earlier. Yes. The, um, I get very excited about our story, as you can tell. The, um, <laughs> the digital, the, so we historically had, um, had a very traditional mix of media. So yes, there was TV, there was radio. Part of what the customer experience officer and our team does is to use customer journey mapping as a way to try to decipher how best to, again, make the customer experience as easy as possible. So we that was one of the very first things we did within 60 days of me getting here. We mapped out a couple of customer journeys. We mapped out a birthday journey. We mapped out a Halloween journey. We saw where all the friction points were out. This is what led us down the path to kind of a new website and all the digital tools I talked about. It also led us into the mindset of how she shops, how she gets inspired, how she then acts upon that inspiration, how she, and all through that, the digital was the thread. And so when you think about, you know, when you've got, you know, unfortunately we don't have, you know, unlimited dollars. So you have, you've got a finite set of dollars that we need to use most efficiently. We have some of the highest aided and unaided awareness of any company in the celebrations category. Um, you know, Amazon, I think is, we're, we're neck and neck with them. I mean, you know, it's so we're up there with some really good company in the celebrations category. So when you have a high aided and unaided awareness, my, my goal isn't to necessarily drive that. My goal is to drive consideration. I need to get more people to get from that, knowing what we do or having think that they know what we do and bring them in a little bit closer to get them into that consideration phase. And then hopefully into, you know, into actually that, that looking and that buying and that conversion phase. 
the best way that we know how to do that from all the data we've looked at from that customer journey mapping, from looking at how she shops is that we is to move fully to a digital media model. So we've taken out all the traditional mediums because again, where we sit in terms of what we need to do to move customers into our ecosystem is not a big bang awareness campaign, which TV is very good for. Um, instead, it is much more specific. And because celebrations are personal, it's not a one size fits all. It is a very personal experience. Digital offers us that opportunity to create that personalized experience, to really leverage first party data, to really use these digital tools to allow people to create their own very bespoke experiences for something that is meaningful to them and their particular situation. And making it local. Again, we have very, when you think about these experiences we're trying to offer, there are, we've got pockets of, of various people with different diversity backgrounds, experiences, and we wanna lean into that in their local community to be able to allow them to leverage the flavor of their local community into their own personal experience. That again, would be very, very expensive to do in some of the more traditional mediums. And it is much more cost-effective and actually straight up effective, um, not even just from a cost perspective, when you when you use a digital medium. So we have moved fully 100% to, to digital media. Nice. And uh, Julie, I will first want to shout out my party city stores that I go to. I grew up Porchester, New York. That's my, it was my main store. And now 14th Street. So I want to give some love to those stores because they always take care of me. So Excellent. also, Julie, let's talk about something that I'm sure a lot of people want to know about. Celebrations during the pandemic, especially in the beginning, right? Those graduations, all those, those kids who didn't really get to experience their senior year. I was like, that was my favorite year of uh, high school. I love my senior year. And all those times, how did Party City have to adapt? I mean, and you were there right before. It's like, here's this, you know, welcome aboard, Julie. Oh, now here's the pandemic. How did you adapt? Yeah. Yeah, as I as I uh, as I have often said, party and pandemic not synonymous. Um, so yes, and it, it's true to your point. You know what we what we learned quickly. Um, you know the pandemic was a learning curve for the entire planet, as we know. And we have a brand new team. You know, more than half of us had been recruited by the time the pandemic started. Really, within like ninety days of the pandemic starting. And so I think many companies had the option you know, in some cases to just try to hunker down and ride the storm, not, not knowing how long the storm would last. God, nobody know, knew it would last this long, right? But we work a little bit in a different situation. We came in to really turn this company around and to ignite this vision that Brad had laid out so clearly. And we were, we were really motivated to do that. And I, you know, I think we had the option of maybe holding on because party and pandemic, it was like too big, too hard of a lift. Like, how could you do that? And we just doubled down. And so the first thing we did um, was to was to understand that the only way we we're going to survive was to offer delivery. We we had to respect the fact that there was, you know, you had the social distancing and needed to have people be safe. And we didn't have delivery. We didn't even have curbside delivery. And so we we did that. I, I reached out to some of my old auto friends from all my auto days working at Ford and Chrysler and then in auto services. So I had a lot of auto years called some friends at Hertz and said, Hey, I bet you guys aren't selling any uh, or renting men, many cars and probably a lot of people sitting idle. How would you like to work with us and help us stand up same day delivery? 
So we used their minivans, we used their people and we, you know, it was down and dirty, it was scrappy. It was not, it didn't have the beautiful communications. It wasn't the amazing, you know, digital experience. It, it was down and dirty, but it got the job done. And so from eight days from the phone call that I first made to our first delivery, we, we had, we were off to the races. So it was a very quick turnaround. That was step one. Step two was understanding that, okay, this pandemic's going to be around a little while. We didn't know how long, but the fact is, is that people have birthdays, they have anniversaries, you know, they have special events that are happening even during a pandemic. And those people deserve joy, probably need joy more we all then than at any time before, because it could be pretty darn depressing as we know. And so we really had to think through, all right, now we know how to get stuff, right? The party goods to people. How do we think differently about how to help get them things in a different way so that they can still have a great party? So we created birthday, birthday kits where basically we could send the birthday kit for six people or eight people to your house. You could put your favor bag together. You could personalize it. Then you could drop it off in the driveways of all of your, your guests. They could come get it. We created birthday itineraries, free downloadable itineraries, free um, virtual games that you could play with people like in a zoom setting like this. So that when they picked up their bag, everybody got on, they could have all their wearables on, they could have their bag of candy and their treats and their favors, and they could interact with one another in a party kind of virtual party format. And so we, we really reinvented those kinds of things. We did the same thing for summer camps. Remember nobody had summer camps. Mom and dad had the kids at home. They were losing their minds and now they can't send their camp kids to camp and there's no school. What do you do? So we had our, we had our influencers create summer camps, itineraries, full itineraries. Some of it required some product that we sold. Some of it didn't, but it was a full day's activities, whether it was warm or rainy, or we, we had it all. And then we made it easy for people to shop for the items to send to their house. So leaning into that. And then your point graduation, my son, my youngest, my baby was a 2020 grad, poor thing. Um, but we leaned into all the personalization signs. We sold so many lawn signs and banner signs. We built car kits, parade kits, so that people could you know, decorate their car with balloons, with streamers, with signs, and, and do grad parades. Uh, we did grad parades here. It was amazing. And now what's beautiful about that, and several of these, these innovations that we created over the pandemic, is that people still want to add them even in a non-pandemic setting, because it's another layer of innovation and fun and joy that has been added to what had been a traditional experience. And so they always say, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. It definitely was in our case, but some of these inventions aren't throwaway. They're definitely here to stay. Well, yeah, no, and, and I remember that. And I was like, where do they, I just, the first thought was like, where are they getting all these things from? Because I remember the car parades, the people coming around. Uh, that's, uh, well, you know, it, that's helpful. And that's all that stuff that you did. It's helpful. It's those little reminders of, you know, we're still here. We're still celebrating you. So we appreciate that. I have, uh, I want to mention your podcast, The Conversational. I want to talk about that. I would be remiss if I didn't bring that up because it's such a great podcast. Tell the people, you know, what it's about, what, where they can hear it. So thank you. Um, I appreciate that, Vince. Um, so the Conversational podcast is a, is a pure passion project for me. It's not associated with Party City. It's just, it was me. It was actually before I started at Party City. Um, I had decided that I wanted to do something, you know, that I wanted, that I'd always wanted to do to give back. And um, I have had the pleasure of, 
you know, I've been around this industry a long time, so I have a good network, but the network I have of these really successful people, some in marketing and some in not, by the way, um, I, I'm always really blessed because I get to know these people personally and I hear their backstories and their backstories are so motivating and inspiring. I also speak to a lot of young people. I speak to colleges, I speak to students and, you know, I always see in their eyes, the, the interest and the passion, but I also see the fear right? That they're worried that the plan that they make, if it doesn't work, that things are going to fall apart for them. And what I wanted to do with this podcast was to bring some of these very successful people that I've gotten to know over the years and have them come on and tell their personal story. Not the story that they tell on stage about the company and the things they've done, but their story from childhood all the way through. And I, I dedicate it to the, I don't know if you're going to bleep me out, but the holy shit moments I call the hashtag Hoshimo. <laughs> Um, because we all have had them and it is those, those moments that actually make us who we are. And it is those moments that define how we pivot and how we turn. And I don't know a single successful person that hasn't had a minimum of one on average, probably four or five that have actually gotten them to where they are. And without them, that plan that they had made wouldn't, they would never be nearly as successful. And so I put this out there so that others can hear these really inspirational stories and know that these, these obstacles, these, the Hoshimos that show up in life are actually there to drive you on and maybe twist you in a different direction to open doors that you didn't even know were there in front of you. So that's, that's my goal with it. And that's what it's dedicated to and what it's about. It's, it's on every podcast platform, Spotify, Apple podcast. You could go to, I've got it on my website, julieram.com. They're all there as well. So again, it's free. I don't make money. This is just a pure passion project. Awesome. I have heard through one of our listeners that you like uh, pink lattes. Is that true? Pink lattes? Are you mean like the pink drink from, um, <laughs> are they, I, I assume they're talking about the drink from pink. Starbucks. Yes, that's, that, the, that's the one. We got yeah. some crazy listeners out there. <laughs> I do like the pink drink from Starbucks. I do. I I um I do like it. It's It's one of those that, especially in the summertime, it's like, it's like joy in a little clean, clear, you know, cup. I love it. Yes. Gotcha. Great. I, I was going to throw it out there and hoping that it was actually real. So I didn't look like yeah. an idiot, but well, I'm glad it's real. It's real. <laughs> I feel like I know who sent it in, but we'll see. So, so, you know, we have about five minutes left, Julie. So one of the things we like to do is this is like if we had met at a bar and we would have got you that pink drink, hopefully, but, uh, or I guess it's Starbucks. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your personal life and what, what do you like to do in your free time? Uh, would love to get to know, our viewers would love to get to know you better on a personal level as well. Oh, uh, you know, so I, I, you know, I'm pretty much an open book. So I have... This year, I will have been married to my husband for 27 years. I was clearly a, a, a child bride, um, but um, <laughs> it's uh, so. So Mike and I have been married a long time. We have two great kids, Nick and Luke, and um, they're uh, like I said, one's one's in DC working, the other is up in Boston going to college. Um, so we, you know, we we just we love spending time with them. And our our youngest plays volleyball. In fact, we were up there last weekend watching a volleyball tournament, which was great. After two years, he's the one with the 2020 grad. His senior year was canceled and his freshman year playing was canceled. So it's it's been joyous to do that. So we do we do love that. We love sports. And you know what? I I am a kind of a fitness freak. Um, 
and, and I don't know if it's a freak. I just, I am sort of dedicated to fitness. I'm, I'm very tied in with our, my, our fitness center here. Um, I'm going to be a part investor to support them as well. Uh, Cause obviously the fitness centers had a real, these, the, the boutique ones had a real struggle over the pandemic. Um, so I'm very invested in that and, and trying to think about mental health for people as well through the use of fitness. Um, and then, you know what, it's, it's a weird thing because now we're really empty nested. It's we've sort of been, like my my youngest is a sophomore, so we've sort of been empty nested for two years. But as we know, the empty nest sort of got full real quick during the pandemic. They all came back, um, and so now we're we're actually kind of experiencing the empty nest a little bit. So um, we haven't fully taken advantage, but I we you know we love to travel and with a hybrid work experience to be able to go and um, to travel some and maybe work remotely from some much warmer place than what the Northeast is in the winter is sort of a, is an interesting um, idea too, uh, close to family. So, you know, it's, it's not uh, any sort of crazy exotic lifestyle, but it's, um, it, it's fun right now because it's very much a transitional time in our lives. Yeah, that's awesome. Shout out to Mike, 27 years. That's awesome. Julie, one last question, you know, one last question, because we've asked every single one of our guests this question, LinkedIn, someone with your title, people are hitting you up all the time. What's a message that resonates with you? And what are those messages that you just hate? It's our LinkedIn question. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, how much time do you have about the things I hate? Yeah. I love it. yeah. <laughs> 30 so, seconds or less. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, got it. Okay, so I, I, I hate the ones that are clearly form letters where they've just stuck my name in there and you can even yeah. see the font type change. I hate that. Like, that's the laziest thing ever. Um, I... I, what take, I take notice. I do take, doesn't always necessarily work out for the person, but I always respond. I always take notice when it's clear that this, the individual has taken time to either understand the company or me, where they're obviously they've read something, they've listened to something they've done some, it's clear they've done some research because there's something very specific. Um, they know somebody they've been to a party, like there's a story in there. It's the personal story that the person includes that it gets my attention and will always get a response. Again, it doesn't always mean that the business is there, but they will always get a response. And I try to respond to most, I, I do the best I can. Um, there's a lot of them to your point, but those are the ones that get my attention in a good way. That's awesome. Uh, Julie, this has been amazing. Keep up the great work at Party City. I think people need Party City more than ever during the pandemic and then now after, right? It's party time, partycity.com, ladies and gentlemen, that is Julie Rame. She is the Chief Marketing Officer, Chief Experience Officer of Party City. I am Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.